a revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies. And today I'm speaking with Bridget Tischer. She is an Upper West Sider here in New York City who I met over three years ago when she was pregnant with her first child, Teddy, who is now two and a half. And she now has eight-month-old Liza. So Bridget and I have been keeping in touch. We see each other on Facebook and at the studio. And about a year ago, Bridget started to talk about her experience with finding out that Teddy has type 1 diabetes and the struggle and the very quick learning curve she had to go through to understand how to help maintain his life. So we talk a lot about that, about the isolation one may feel when you have a child, some sort of special needs, the judgment you feel, how quickly you have to be an advocate and learn about this. And what I thought was so relatable is there are many parents out there that have to support and lovingly support a child with special needs. So I thought this would resonate with everyone in that family or those that may not be, but then just help them see through the lens of what it's like to parent a child with special needs. So I think you're going to really enjoy this. And Bridget is just a joy to talk to. So it was very special for me because I really enjoy her. All right, before we get to that conversation, I want to put a thank you out. I've been looking at the ratings and reviews which I admit I look at pretty often. And it just thrills me when I see someone leave um, a rating and review. So I want to, the latest one that came in came from KHG. And she says, a wonderful resource for parents at any stage in their journey. As I head into the final weeks of my second pregnancy, I rediscovered your podcast, which I listened to at my thir- first pregnancy. From amazing speakers to wonderful pre and postnatal support for our bodies and minds, I find this podcast to be an amazing resource that has helped me through Feel Prepared. Many thanks for the care you bring to the countless pre and postnatal parents and caregivers. And I wanted to say thank you for leaving that. It really means a lot to me. So if you have a moment, please go to wherever you listen to the podcast from and leave a rating review to help people find us. So thank you for putting that time and energy out there. And thank you for listening and being part of our community. 
So also, we are just wrapping up our Charlotte, North Carolina teacher training. I finished that last week. I already started to correct the exams. So for my friends from Charlotte, if you're listening, you guys have done amazingly well with the exams I've corrected so far. Um, we still have a few right now on the schedule. Um, we start Washington, D.C. at Willow Street very soon. You can still jump into that. Just this week, I kid you not, I got four applications for the New York City teacher training. We often sell out. I expect us to do that again. So jump on that. That's in March and April. And then heading back to Richmond, Virginia for Yoga Source for April and May. And we're already about to put on the books the fall teacher training. So these are just something Caprice and I love to do and and take such pride in, in how watching the students grow. So yay for that. Also, for those that are listening that are yoga teachers and you want some extra support for when you have a pregnant student come into class and you haven't been trained in prenatal yoga, I have an online course called Who's a Afraid of the Pregnant Yogi. You can check that out. And then I also realized each week we do a newsletter. So if you can't come into the studio, you can still learn. I put tips and podcasts. So you can sign up for our weekly newsletter at prenatalyogacenter.com. And for teachers out there, I send a bi-weekly newsletter, again, with prenatal tips and advice for what to do when you have the pregnant student come into your class. And then just some information, some education. It doesn't hurt to be a lifetime learner. Okay. I think I went through everything. So I just want to say happy holidays. This should be coming out right before the holidays start. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being in the community. We're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, let's talk with Bridget. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork baby monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, Bridget. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'm so happy to speak with you again. I miss seeing you in class. Oh, I know. <laughs> That's the tough part about prenatal yoga. Eventually, when you graduate, <laughs> as wonderful as it is, you miss out on uh, some of the friends that you've made in the past nine months. <laughs> I know. It's fun. But I'm glad at least we've always connected on Facebook and just in on social media. So that's great. So thank you for being so open and honest about Teddy's diabetes. So I really want to jump into that. I thought it was something that, and I see how much you put out there in the social media world about the struggles you've had in discovering this. And I thought, well, I bet other parents can relate, whether it's diabetes or another um, situation that really requires a lot of attention and time. So we're going to dive into that. But first off, let's go a little bit about you. And also just kind of for listeners, if you've been really diving into the the yoga birth baby archives. Yes, Bridget has done <laughs> podcasts. So yes. She's a returning <laughs> guest. So I guess yeah, and happy to be. Yay. So let's go a little bit about you. What's up with you? How are you? Let's learn about you. Sure. Yeah. Well, I am now a mom of 
two. My son, Teddy, is about two and a half, and my daughter, Liza, is almost eight months old. I live in Manhattan, and I love to run. I love now to do yoga since meeting you. I'm Can we also prenatal just yoga take center. a beat there and, and say that <laughs> that was not always the case? <laughs> I think no, you kind of no, came into I, yoga like, what is this? I did. I was the reluctant yogi and now I can't get enough of it, which is a wonderful way to keep my body healthy, but then to keep my mind sane as well. So in addition to that, um, I, you know, spend as much time as I can with my husband because it's two kids. It's really hard (laughs) to find any extra time, um, especially with Teddy having diabetes. There's so much that we do with our kids one-on-one versus as a family. And that being said, my degree is in communications. I have a master's in communications management, nothing with a medical background. And that's so important for me to say because everything (laughs) is going to sound like it's coming from such a place of a authority. And the truth of it is it's from experience. It's from the past 12 months of living with this disease and learning from it as opposed to any formal education. So I wanted to make sure I I was clear about that in describing who I am. But I appreciate that. But we'll also give you credit for when you are a parent thrown into these situations, you do become an expert on your child and on what needs to be done and the research and time. And I I get a sense of who you are. You you don't haphazardly do things. You you go down that rabbit hole of studying. So while, yes, thank you for for clarifying, you're not a medical expert but you're you you have put a lot of research in because it requires that to be a parent <laughs> with a child with type 1 yeah. diabetes. So I guess let's go right yeah, into that. Totally. Talk about okay. being a parent of a child with type 1 diabetes. Yeah, being a parent with a child who has type 1 is really difficult because on the outside he looks wonderful and he looks like every other 2-year-old, but internally his pancreas doesn't work. And so I need to do all the work for him literally to keep him alive. It's the equivalent of trying to keep your child's heart beating while dealing with variables from temperature to mood to food to sleep to adrenaline to excitement. Um, All of those things others factor into how your body works. And so I need to act as that pancreas to keep him healthy. And so it can be really difficult to know that internally something isn't right and I have to fix it. When externally to look at the kiddo, he's pretty fantastic. That is so interesting. So you're also, we're also going to some of the misconceptions about diabetes, but what I didn't realize, so I knew it was the pancreas and I knew it was insulin dependent, Mm -hmm. but what I didn't Mm -hmm. know was about the mood and the sleep, which I guess, you know, they play into another. And then of course, I mean, a toddler has massive mood swings. So like how, totally. how does that, and it's just going to, you know, have fun in those teenagers. Um, but how does, how does that play? Yeah, right. How does the mood and the sleep, I understand the food and the exercise. I, my brain gets that, sure. but can you break that other sure. part down? 
Yeah. So the hormones in Teddy's body or any type one diabetics body, um, will play into the absorption of sugars and how they're processed. And when I say sugars, I mean sugars and, or carbohydrates because the pancreas breaks those down to then use it as fuel and as energy. So depending on how tired Teddy is will affect the way that his body then uses the fuel for energy. The temperature outside matters too. If we're playing on a really hot, humid day and his body has to work harder to break down sugars while allowing him to sweat to keep his body cool, that's going to affect his blood sugar numbers. That's going to affect how the insulin is used in his body. Any and all variables play into it at different times in different ways. His excitement might make his blood sugar skyrocket and then potentially crash afterwards. So for example, if we go to a bounce house at a local festival, (laughs) the activity level is way up. His excitement is way up. And then afterwards, the letdown is huge. And so his numbers are greatly affected by that. And those are just more obvious variables where so many other things play in because his hormones then are adjusting and his body's trying to regulate where um, it doesn't necessarily do that correctly or as efficiently as someone who is a non-diabetic can do it. That is so new. And my brain is trying to wrap itself around what that must be like as a parent. So just kind of give a little context of where I'm seeing this from my lens is my son is um, sensitive and very active, not hyperactive, but very active. So we are already on top of too much sugar we know is going to affect him. And then more the next day, how can we not have too much of an overstimulating activity? Because then we know if he is overstimulated, we need rest and quiet time. Now, granted, this isn't then, you know, from his pancreas and insulin, but it is so I, I have a, a small yeah. lens into what your daily life is, but it's yours is so much bigger because with Shay, like it's more of a pain in the butt because then he's just difficult to deal yeah. with. So it makes it just <laughs> uncomfortable, like for the whole family, because yeah. big tantrums. Yep. And so we're dealing with more of the emotional discomfort, but you're dealing with yeah. the the other side is internally, if something is off, it could be, I mean, the detriment is huge. So I I can see where you have to organize it outside, but the the stakes are so huge. How as a parent, do you navigate that? And I guess we can also talk about, which I wasn't planning, but like, how as a parent, do you emotionally handle that? Because it's, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So I actually really appreciate, appreciate the comparison that you're making with Teddy to your son, because, um, kids have big feelings and no matter what is going on, it's always, um, life or death to them. Well, for us, it potentially is life or death. If Teddy's blood sugar drops too low, too quickly, we risk seizures, coma, and then even potential death. And these aren't necessarily stepping stones. I mean, this can happen if he does just drop too low, too quickly. And so any parent can be stressed and have a hard time with dealing with all of those big feelings, but we have to take it from a different perspective and focus on the physical before we can actually focus on the emotional of Teddy to make sure that he's safe. 
being safe and being healthy are two different things for us. For myself, dealing with things emotionally is also on the back burner to dealing with anything physically. I have to make sure that I am showered before I make sure that I am... I don't want to say ready to start the day because I definitely keep that positive attitude. I am one to attack a problem once I've done the research and feel educated enough to make good decisions. But the emotional side of it is um, on the back burner to any of that physical side that I need to take care of to then take care of Teddy and my daughter for that matter. So emotionally, it is draining and straining, but that almost can't be addressed until the other physical priorities have been taken care of. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Is there a support group or anything that you've learned from other parents of diabetic kids? Yeah, something that's really fantastic is the social media support that's out there. There are a couple type one mom and type one parent groups that I like to consult via Facebook. And that has been huge for emotional support. Um, The other thing that I need to mention is that my sister-in-law actually was diagnosed as a type one diabetic when she was 11 years old. And so she's a major point of support and offers comfort and content in dealing with type one to um, really help with that emotional side of of any difficulties. And I don't she's know if you, been there your for, listeners and she's been there. Can hear our, um, oh, I hear them. Hi, Liza. Here. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all good. If we are, if, I mean, yoga birth babies, if we can't deal with a little bit of kid in the background, then wrong, wrong podcast listener. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But come back to your, coming back to your sister in line, I mean, she's been dealing with this for such a large portion of her life. She probably also mm-hmm. not just emotional support, but, she's gotten a handle on it. So I guess that could also go into, you know, I think there's some misconceptions about diabetes because type two is, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about type two, about, uh, people becoming diabetic and dealing with it. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between type one and type two? Sure. Yeah. Type one diabetes is an autoimmune disease in which the pancreas stops making insulin it can no longer break down those sugars and carbs for the body to use as energy. And so in Teddy's case, 
his body was becoming acidic and was basically polluting itself because it wasn't getting any of the nutrients that it needed. In that happening, we then need to use synthetic insulin to break down all that food to keep him healthy. In a type 2 diabetic's body, they are still creating insulin. They're not using it as efficiently or as properly as they should be. Diet and exercise are a huge factor in controlling type 2 and in helping type 2. It's still crazy difficult. And one is not, <laughs> um, you know, supposed to be quote-unquote better than the other, which is a term a lot of people use. Like, oh, well, at least it's the better type of diabetes. <laughs> um, but that's the main difference to keep in mind. Teddy's pancreas does not work, will not ever work. A type 2 diabetic can... Um, they can regulate it? Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. They can regulate it with that food and exercise. And it usually happens, type 2 usually happens later on in life, where the most common age for a type 1 diabetic to be diagnosed is 14 years old. Teddy was diagnosed at 18 months, so there's a big <laughs> difference there. But the lifestyle and lifespan is totally different, given that type 1 is usually diagnosed at a younger age. So how did you come to realize that Teddy had diabetes? Yeah, well, we at first didn't even have it on our radar. Teddy had a really bad cold for probably five days, just a little longer than we were comfortable with handling a cold at home. During those five days, he progressively got worse to where, let's say the last three of those five days, he didn't eat a single thing. Now, this was over Christmas. We were out of town visiting family. I knew that he would be okay to not eat for maybe a day if he didn't feel well. He was drinking a ton of water, so I didn't have any red flags, but I knew that he needed to be checked out. We took him to the urgent care while we were visiting family, and the doctor there actually ran a chest x-ray thinking that Teddy might have had Pneumonia. Like pneumonia. Yeah. When it came, correct. Yep. When um, the X-ray came back negative, we were told if he's still like this in the morning, go to the ER because that's really where you're headed. That's how um, affected Teddy looked. So sure enough, that evening we put Teddy to bed, and his breathing was so labored, it was as if his belly button was being sucked back to his spine. Oh my gosh. Just to literally make it through the night. So the first thing we did when he woke up is we took him to the ER and the, it was a pediatric ER. The doctor there asked us pretty routine questions. And then he says, what are his diapers like? Well, I could not stop talking about <laughs> Teddy's, Teddy's peeing habits because Teddy was wearing 12-hour overnight diapers and being soaked from armpits to knees after two hours. Oh, wow. He was drinking water nonstop. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, this kid is just so thirsty. Of course he's going to pee out of his diapers. Well, the doctor knew that by asking that question, Teddy was in DKA, diabetic ketoacidosis. 
his body was shutting down because it couldn't process any of these sugars. Teddy being so thirsty was that big red flag to the doctor because he's trying to flush out what are now toxins in his body. So that is the major sign that Teddy was diabetic where we as his parents just thought it was a bad cold. So here, you know, again, we thought we were doing, um, we were doing right by him and taking the natural steps. We actually first made an appointment with his pediatrician and then we went to urgent care and then we went to the ER where the truth of the matter is if we knew the one symptom of thirst combined with urination, it would have been a much quicker and simpler diagnosis. And you said also he looked really like the, the urgent care doctors, like if he doesn't get better by tomorrow ER. So what was it physically that he saw? Uh, I think what it was, was, um, I don't know how to describe it other than to give the features of Teddy. He's a fair skinned kid with nice rosy cheeks, and he was pale and he had the dark circles under his eyes. Um, one thing that the urgent care doctor did not pick up on, but Teddy definitely had was that his breath smelled fruity. This is a telltale sign. Fruity. Yeah. As if he just ate strawberries. It's a telltale sign of DKA if your child has almost a sweet-smelling breath. And so um, the urgent care doctor did not pick up on that, but the urgent care doctor basically just said, like, these symptoms are to the extreme and haven't gotten better in a reasonable amount of time that if he's not better overnight, go to the ER just because of the progression of all the symptoms. So you took him to the ER. What did they do from there? I'm guessing a blood test? Yes, yes. So the ER doctor was super fantastic in asking just a handful of questions to then diagnose. And he said, we need to get an IV in this child right away, and he needs insulin. And we actually needed to be transported to a different hospital that could better take care of Teddy. Meanwhile, I am five months pregnant with my daughter. And I'm sitting on the gurney holding my son. They're trying to get an IV in him. Well, he's so dehydrated. Oh, so his veins were not happy. Can't find, no, no. Couldn't find it in his arms. Couldn't find them in his hands. See? I, nope, nothing. They ended up having to go through his neck. Oh. And they did a blood draw there. But then they were also to um, get him an IV. And we were transported about 15 minutes to the next hospital where we stayed in the PICU, the pediatric intensive care unit. And that's when they were able to get him insulin, bring his blood sugar down, make sure he had oxygen if he needed it and, you know, deal with any of the medical precautions that they would need to take outside of just the blood sugar, you know, all of his vitals and things like that. Wow. And then I guess that was a quick crash course in learning about <laughs> this and were you visiting your yeah. family was that what was it was that we were yep yep we were and so we were in the uh pick you for two nights before they moved us to a regular floor okay. once we were on a regular floor the education started right away and there are actual diabetes educators they're registered oh nurses my gosh that's amazing who are 
yeah, they specialize in this. And so they, they would come into the room and spend literally hours with us teaching us about, um, two variable math equations to know how to cover his carbs, but then how to maybe correct high blood sugar with insulin. And we had to learn how to draw insulin from a vial into a needle and use a syringe to inject him. We had to learn um, how to mix and combine a special solution called glucagon in case Teddy's ever unconscious and what to do with that. We had to learn about pen needles. We had to do this complete crash course in the hospital. Again, though, I need to speak to my sister-in-law, Sarah, who was also visiting family with us. And she came to the hospital and she did a ton with the educator as far as giving us uh, more personal experience and letting us know the ins and outs of things and the technology that's available to hopefully make our lives easier. Is once he on a pump? All the ins and outs. Yeah, exactly. I would say once we learned all the ins and outs, we went straight for the technology to help us as if we had the basis and we knew better to get that technology as soon as we could. I didn't know if he was too young to do the, the pump. And I guess maybe also should back up and say, what is this pump I'm referring to? Yes, yes. So a pump or depending on the brand you use, it can be called a pod, oh. is... <laughs> I say an external container. To me, it looks like a very small um, pager. Or do you remember the Tamagotchi toys or Gigapets? <laughs> yeah, I do. That is the equivalent of what um, this device is. On Teddy wears it on his thigh, and it's stuck via medical tape to his leg. This container, if you will, holds three days' worth of insulin. And in order to dose him, we plug in his numbers, the carbs he's eating, his current blood sugar into remote control, and then it administers the insulin through that pump or pod on his leg, which is so cool because it eliminates the need for any needles and syringes injecting him with the insulin. So as a parent, and he's only two and a half, so this is still kind of the beginning yeah. of his life, there's a long road ahead. Yes. How, how, and again, this podcast yeah. is really so that other parents that you know are in the same boat can understand. Tell me, gosh, so many, how am I going to put this into words? There's too many thoughts. So there's the idea of like, you might have people like a babysitter or then eventually preschool or maybe he's already in preschool. And like, yeah. how do you, I guess, do you give like a a crash course on those caring for him. Um, I remember yeah. one time I had a student who also was the parent of a type one diabetic and she had her phone always next to her. And I'm like, absolutely. I get this because yes. her, her son's, or maybe it was her daughter, her child's pump was hooked up to her phone. So if something yes. happened, she would get, um, an alert. So is that yes. how you find confidence leaving him with someone That's other exactly than you? It. Cause I would be this nervous yes. wreck. Yes, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Part of the technology that we use uh, is another device that's on his arm. His is called the Dexcom G6, and that will give a constant reading of his blood sugar sent to my phone. So exactly as your student had is what I have to monitor him no matter where he is in the world. For example, my mom came when I was delivering my daughter and stayed with us for just over two months. Wow. She was not left alone with Teddy until maybe after the first 
four days, five days of living this 24 hours so that she got a hands-on crash course. Teddy is in a twos program for preschool. And while he started in September, I actually still sit outside of his classroom in the office just in case something happens or something is needed to not necessarily have an emergency situation, but uh, to be there for any sense of urgency of a low blood sugar, or even if he's running high and just needs extra insulin to be dosed. His teachers are really phenomenal that this week I've been able to leave the building and communicate with them via text messages if something isn't sitting right with his numbers or if he needs some sort of intervention. And uh, they have, we've had, you know, multiple meetings to get them to that point to be comfortable and to get myself being confident as well. That must be so much to take on. I'm so glad to hear, though, that you're starting to get out of the space. It must give you a lot of freedom and, and probably a little trepidation. Yes. But it's, wow, yes. that's a lot. So I guess it we've is. kind of gone into this a little bit, but can you talk more about just how it's affected your family, your daily life, um, kind of your vision as a parent and the trajectory you were on and how things have shifted? That's a big question. So take yeah. it however you want. Yeah. No, no worries. I think that to talk on a larger level is easier in the sense that men identify themselves most often with their profession, where I think a lot of women identify themselves most often with relationships. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. And women say, I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I find my identity. I'm listening to that. I'm like, "Hmm." I think I have to be, I think I'm both. I put myself as both just jumping in there for that. I, yeah, mother I and that, career. Um, yes, I oh, think that wife. more women are. <laughs> yeah, that should be a priority. My husband's probably and hearing this. Like, are, um, are yeah, are working with um those multiple titles. I think that we all carry the multiple titles. We just don't necessarily vocalize them that way. Mm-hmm. Like we vocalize the relationship, even though we carry the title of business owner. So, I don't necessarily play into either side of those roles, whether masculine or feminine, so much as I now identify as professional pancreas. I, before I had kids, had thought that the epitaph on my tombstone would be philanthropist because I created and ran a nonprofit for years. And I thought that was going to be my legacy where now I recognize my legacy is going to be the life expectancy of my son. And that's been harder to that's huge. wrestle with. Yeah, that's, that's been harder a lot to wrestle of pressure. with. Yeah, than some of the other day-to-day things. Um, day-to-day things are... Totally, totally different than I ever expected in sense to be as a parent. Um, and it's because I'm constantly looking at my phone to check his numbers and to see how 
um, he's measuring up and if he has to eat or when he ate last or how the protein versus fat in food are affecting his blood sugar compared to a um, simple sugar, complex sugar. And that doesn't play into the identity of a relationship or the identity of a career. Right. It plays into the identity of my son's potential life expectancy. And so that's been maybe the bigger thing to wrestle with for me than um, any other expectations I had on parenthood. And that that's just such, that's so much pressure. I'm so glad that you're getting outside support on. No, it is. It's a huge, it's a huge it thing. Um, I'm going to dive into a question that feel free to say no. Um, so again, I'm going to just kind of reflect this back to sure. my the lens I have with my family. So my son, um, there's a lot of sensory stuff with him. Like we really have to be mindful. And what I notice is that he gets a lot of attention because we're, there's, there can be tantrums. He's just, he's a kind of high need kid that way. And my daughter, who is not, I already start to Mm -hmm. see verbalization of why is Shay getting this and I don't, why does she? And so, and I make a very conscious effort to give her attention too. And I do think, I mean, granted, Liza's eight months, so there's not a lot of verbalization about this, but have you thought (laughs) of this as as a parent of one child that has particular needs? Yes, I think that most parents struggle with that second child and having enough love, enough attention, Um, but I am so mindful of the lack of attention, not the lack of love, but the lack of attention that is just feasible for Liza when she was born and literally the doctor put her on my chest and I'm getting emotional over it now. But I said to her, you are so loved. You are so loved. And (laughs) as you hear my son, Teddy, now feeling that, (laughs) feeling that attention, (laughs) okay, sweetheart, let me fix it for you. Um, that, that was a real thing that Liza needs to hear is that you are so loved. Teddy might get more attention, but that attention does not equate to love. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's, one thing as far as, you know, in the middle of the night to decide between you and your partner, who's going to get up with which kid, but you better believe that the hugs and the kisses and the rocking and the cuddles are the equivalent between the two of them. Whether Mm -hmm. one gets more than the other doesn't necessarily mean that it's better coming from a different place. That's great. Thank you for, for, answering that and for obviously the deep thought you've already put into, you know, into how to parent because there, because there are two different types of needs. Yeah. So yeah, completely. (laughs) Yeah. And so I know when I approached you to talk about this, you're like, absolutely, let's go there. So because I didn't know, like, I know that you put things out there and, and the pictures and just so much of the stuff. And I actually remember there was one that I think you put out last week that you said it's like a year mm-hmm. ago today, diabetes took Teddy from us. I was like, wow, that was um, yeah. a strong statement. And obviously a reflection yeah. of how it affected 
your whole family and your whole life. Mm-hmm. What, when mm-hmm. I asked you to do this podcast and talk about it, why did you feel, and I'm so glad that you did, but what was it inside about, I need to share the story? Yeah, I think that I even now like sharing the story because it eliminates the loneliness. And it's very easy as a new mom to feel isolated and then to be a newer mom with a child who has special needs that might require not only a lot of extra work, but a lot of declining of invitations to things just because it's not the best environment or um, you're not as confident in taking care of them in that space. Sharing gives way to the comforts of camaraderie. And I think that others can better understand what's going on with me, with Teddy, with our family through sharing. I cannot fault any of my friends for not understanding what we're going through. If I don't tell them what we're going through, it's not their fault. It's mine. And it's not necessarily a blame game so much as then finding the opportunity for education. And so I'm more than happy to share because it benefits our lives immensely. And if I need to step out of a gym class with Teddy because he needs fruit snacks to bring up his blood sugar, then the instructor understands why. Or if I bring a juice box into a studio that doesn't allow food or drink to literally save Teddy's life, the instructor understands the importance of it versus maybe me just coddling my son to (laughs) give him a juice box to keep him quiet, that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. And I also think this can, you know, so for what we're talking about is diabetes, but other people also, you know, other parents or many will have a situation that their child has a special need and can often feel, yeah. like you said, isolated or stigmatized. Like, why is that? You know, like, oh, they're just giving their kid a juice box. Why? Come on, toughen up. You know, like, it's just, yeah. there could be exactly. judgment. Yes. So yes. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I get that. I, I know that like there's times like we really hold off on screen time as much as we can. But then if my son is escalating in a restaurant and we want other people to enjoy their meal, sometimes we're like, fine, just here we go. We're just going to do this to de-escalate you. For sure. And, and I and I know yep. I feel, I, I see the judgment. Oh, it's screen time. Our child's reading a book. Your kid's on the phone. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I internalize yes. it. Like, so I think sometimes by putting out there that, you know, not, I guess it's also not to judge. Like we don't know what's behind that juice yeah. box. We don't know what's behind that phone. Like, right. you know, so right. I, just... I, I hear you on that, whether it's your son and screen time or, you know, if Teddy asks for a snack and I do give him fruit snacks. I, and you know, I say like, I know that they're not the best choice, but it will keep him healthy longer than if I were to try and I don't know what I would quote unquote force him to eat that he wouldn't like to keep his blood sugar stable, but then any other option. So I can totally, totally relate. We actually use screen time as a major tool for us. Teddy at times needs to eat and he doesn't want to, and we need him to focus on 
ingesting a certain amount of carbs and he doesn't want to. So we turn on a favorite show. I cut up 10 grapes and let him pop them like popcorn, knowing that that now equates to 10 carbs in his system, which is what he needs at the time. So the idea of judgment is major and hopefully the sharing and the education then can tear down a lot of that judgment. Yeah, because we don't know what's going on behind the closed doors, and it's easy to judge, but yeah. it usually behind those grapes are lots of tears of trying to figure out what to do and get him healthy. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. that's response yeah, is like, totally. that, that's like life-sustaining. So also, just kind of yeah. knowing a bit about you, you're, you're a very healthy eater. How is this adjust, I guess, because you're a healthy mm-hmm. eater, it hasn't been maybe as much adjustment. It's not like you guys were living on kind of crap. So like, how is, no. have you had to relook <laughs> at food well, in a way that you hadn't before? I have. Yes. So I am a very, very strict vegetarian. The family that I come from is vegan. And so that gives you an idea of how strict I am being a vegetarian. I know. Ooh, you, you, you it, wow. <laughs> You're adding dairy. Yeah. You're, the rest of your family will be like, wow. How yeah. Dish. yeah. Right. I'm totally the black sheep because I eat cheese. So <laughs> <laughs> as, um, as difficult as that might be, what you need to keep in mind for Teddy is things that are lower in carbohydrates can sustain his blood sugar in a safe range longer. So anything similar to a keto diet or even an Atkins diet will keep his blood sugar in a wonderful range for much longer than any pasta. I mean, can you imagine not giving your kid butter noodles for dinner when they don't oh, want mac and to cheese eat is dinner? like the good. Yes. My, I could, my daughter would eat it every day for every meal if she could. Totally. Well, for Teddy, that's out the window. That's just not an option for us because of the amount of carbs just found in pasta. So I say all of this and being a vegetarian because Teddy is also a strict vegetarian. So we don't do chicken nuggets. We don't do fish sticks. We don't do anything that a lot of parents use as a go-to with diabetics, even for snacks, anything, um, I say any sort of meat jerky or dried meats, their kids could snack on all day long. We have just chosen previous to diagnosis that he was vegetarian, that those now are not options for us. And I struggle with that. I have my own socioeconomic ethical reasons for being vegetarian that I then hope to educate Teddy and Liza on so that they can then make their own choices when they're old enough to make those choices. So when Teddy's 12, if he decides this is a much easier lifestyle, if I incorporate meat into my diet, I'm going to have to accept that we've done our job in educating him to then make the best choice for his body. And so that's been a huge struggle in deciding what to eat, when to eat, how to eat, given I was our predisposition to vegetarianism. Because I knew you were vegetarian. You're mm-hmm. a vegetarian. I didn't know if because of the high protein in animal that you a lot, you know, that he mm-hmm. was eating like chicken or chicken breast. What about nuts? Cause they were really high in protein. 
Yes. Uh, he loves kind bars. Those are great for us <laughs> because of um, how high they are in protein in relationship to the carbs and the fats. So we love kind bars as snacks. And, you know, this being said about being low carb, it's not necessarily a healthy way for diabetics to live being low carb because their body needs insulin. So Teddy needs to eat carbs so I can then give him insulin to better balance out his body's chemistry. So we by no means are trying to go on an Atkins diet or to keep him keto. That's not healthy, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something we are wildly aware of because of the ease in stabilizing his numbers that can come from animal products. Wow. I have to say it must just like planning meals in my house is a lot. Like I literally think about dinner as I finish up cleaning up breakfast. You must think thinking about the the food planning. (laughs) You know, it just makes it easier. Like if I think about, okay, this is for dinner. Then by the time I get there, I don't have to stare at the fridge and be like, now what am I doing? Um, Because there's just not, I don't have those extra 10 minutes to think now what am I doing? Wow. I'm I'm so impressed. Is there anything else you want to add as we wrap up about diabetes that I didn't ask you about that you want to share? don't know if there's anything different or additional so much about diabetes versus any child with special needs and what their parents are going through. Teddy actually has two cousins who have special needs of different sorts and um, arguably even more extreme as one of his cousins was born with a congenital heart defect and the other with a very severe rear case of muscular dystrophy. And the care that's needed is constant. So whether we're talking about Teddy or we're talking about his cousins, there isn't any relief. And specifically with diabetes, he will not grow out of it. Because the diagnosis usually happens in childhood Juvenile diabetes is what type 1 is really um, commonly known as, but he won't grow out of it. And so the caregiver exhaustion is a real thing that is dealt with but is not seen. I just think that even though a parent carries it well, it doesn't mean that it's not heavy. And that is so true of diabetes or special needs children and parents because of the everyday vigilance, the every minute vigilance. I mean, I actually get up uh, to check Teddy in the middle of the night every two hours and make sure that his blood sugar and his insulin are where they need to be. My daughter now being eight months old, sleeps better than anybody in our house because of the constant care that Teddy needs, which is so silly and ironic to say about an eight-month-old baby, but that's how it works. And so um, speaking to that point of special needs kids and parents in general is is radically important than, you know, specifically to diabetes. Yeah. Oh, 
I hope that you get support and rest and maybe a spa day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Take, yes to that. That's what we need for the holidays. We're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, I'm going because you have been a parent of two for a while, so you've got a lot in your brain. Um, one <laughs> tip or piece of advice for either new or expectant parents. Okay, we'll be right back. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Okay, we are back. What have you come up with? My tip is more for expectant parents and it's a tip of sensitivity and awareness. There's a phrase that's used most often when speaking about the gender of a baby and parents say, or expecting parents say, I don't care if it's a boy or a girl. I just want them to be healthy or as long as they're healthy. And I'm getting emotional over this again, given Teddy's circumstances and his cousins. But I will tell you, if your child is not healthy, you will not love them any less. If anything, you love them more. And you do not care that they are not healthy. You go to the ends of the earth to make sure that they thrive and that they love life. And I try so hard to make Teddy laugh as hard as he can, as often as he can (laughs) to show and to portray that the health while being so important is all encompassing of, of physical health, but also of joy and of humor and of kindness and of ABCs and of numbers and things like that. And so, um, it is almost a piece of, or a word of caution to say, you don't know what other parents are dealing with. You don't know what current children they have, or maybe what's going on with their expecting child to say, oh, if it's a boy or girl, who cares as long as they're healthy. And it now just tears me apart with that commonly used phrase because of what we have been walking through as man are we lucky to have teddy insulin was not discovered until a hundred years ago that a hundred years ago child had type one diabetes they were literally wheeled into a special ward with other children and in a comfortable spot for their parents as well, so that they could remain with their child until they passed away. Oh my God. We are so lucky to have Teddy and to have the tools and the medicine to take care of him to make sure that he does thrive, that I would never want to potentially offend or be insensitive to other expecting parents, not knowing what their child. Um, what their child's health state 
is or potentially could be or what they could develop or anything like that. And so it's just more of a word of sensitivity and kindness um, versus anything versus anything practical about doing no, loads that... of laundry or <laughs> juggling strollers. <laughs> that That is beautiful and important. And I really thank you for sharing all of this. Everything you've said has been impactful. And I'm I'm just happy to hold the space for you to share. Thank you. Well, I need to thank you because I don't often have the space, as you put it, this space to share. It's really easy for me to go on and on and to have someone else's eyes just glaze over because I'm on so many tangents, but to have an organized process of speaking and hopefully educating about type one is pretty phenomenal for me and can even be um, therapeutic versus going to an actual therapist's office to, you know, handle, handle some of the emotional baggage coming with it. So I really do appreciate the time and the space that you're offering. Oh, thanks, Bridget. Well, I hope to see you in class. You signed up for baby fingers again, didn't you? I think, or maybe, maybe you didn't. I don't remember. I know that you're there usually a lot. We'll be there. Yeah, I say we'll be there actually just next month is when my daughter Liza will, um, I say, start her intensive training with <laughs> baby fingers. <laughs> well, Teddy, then I, Teddy has it down. Teddy signs so much that after school, his teachers were, will ask, what does this mean? Because he was trying to get a point across that nobody was picking up on. Well, I can't <laughs> wait to see you and to see Liza. Thank you again. All right. I'll talk soon. Be well. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.